tap, tap, tap in. You're listening to Pulse Radio with Randall and Shelby, the heart of the culture. What's going on, everybody? This is Randall Barnes, the host of Pulse Radio, in the building for another special edition of the Pulse Radio Show on today. It is a Friday right now as we're recording this. Football is officially back. We had a pretty good football game. I got, I got, I got, I, mean, I can't hit the horn right now. I can't hit the horn right now. But guess what? We had a really great football game on last night. You had the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that narrowly beat the Dallas Cowboys. 31 to 29. We have a lot to get to. We have games this weekend, both in HBCU football as well as the NFL. So as always, as you already know, we have to have Ariel Kilgore in the building so we can talk about what's going on. Ariel, how are you doing? Doing good, man. I'm I'm excited for today. You got got some stuff to say. Got some stuff to say about yesterday's game. You have stuff to say on Twitter too. Like you you want an auto smoke on Twitter. What's going on on Twitter? Man, I'm not saying I want all the smoke, but, like, people people don't understand, like, a, being, like, a journalist, like, your opinions are opinions, and the main thing about being a journalist is being objective. I'm not going to sit here and not say one thing is good and disregard the whole thing. So I'm on Twitter, and I'm not going to lie. Like, if people, if y'all don't know, I'm a diehard Falcons fan. I love the Falcons. Win or lose, that's my team. And so everybody knows that Dan Quinn was fired in that 2020 season from the Falcons because he couldn't get them up. They were a losing team after 2017, after that disappointing, don't want to go back into it, but that disappointing championship against the Patriots. And now they, Tom Brady just followed us to haunt us, now with the Buccaneers, won a championship with the Buccaneers, and Dan Quinn um, decided to go. It was hired by the Cowboys. And so you look at it yesterday night, the Cowboys defense, of course, is looking better. They looked pretty good. They held their own against Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. So I just decided to tweet, you know, Dan Quinn, because Dan Quinn is a defensive coordinator. That's what he does. He did it with Seattle Seahawks. He kind of did it with the Falcons, and now he's trying to do it again with the Cowboys. I think there might be a force to reckon with adding him and having a little bit of other players on the Cowboys out there with that team. And I just got somebody that wants to argue with me talking about how can you be a true Falcons fan wanting to say that about Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn didn't do nothing for Atlanta. Dan Quinn did everything he could do for Atlanta. But we all know Atlanta defensively was never even that good. And they also had problems going to that 2019 and 2020 season within themselves. There's only so much you can fix. So I don't think we should discredit Dan Quinn just because he had those two and a half. I'm not going to count 2018 as a bad season. Seven and nine is not bad. It could be better. But I'm not going to discredit him for those two bad seasons going into what he did for the Cowboys and what their defense brought up to I can't do that to him he's good regardless do I hate what happened in the situation with the Atlanta Falcons of course I hate it but is Dan Quinn a bad coordinator nah I don't think I don't think you should be a you shouldn't be really like that bad or go against a man who just couldn't do it for a team that didn't want to do it for themselves right and I think that when we give takes and this is the one thing I hate when we talk about sports politics too because politics has gotten very much sportsy as far as the takes how people handle it but opinions are opinions and you have to be objective like even for people you like or don't like i understand the cowboys and the falcons they have their rivalry and then dan quinn left the falcons went to the cowboys you saying he did a good job yesterday it's not a bad thing to say because it's not like oh i'm a cowboys fan now it's just that you're complex enough to say as a falcons fan he did not do what he needed to do with the falcons but he did what needed to be done yesterday and, and it was it was a pretty good game it came down to a field goal the reason why the Cowboys lost to me is not Dan Quinn's fault. Okay, it's the missed field goals, but we'll talk about that in a second because we have to get to HBC football. We had an HBC football game that was on ESPNU on last night, Benedict College after winning against Allen University on a Saturday. They came to play Edward Waters University. They are now a university, so congratulations to Edward Waters. That's a big thing. That's really huge to have that distinction of being a university, having those programs develop. Edward Waters has gone through an amazing transformation. But the football team, they need a little bit of work. hate to say it because Benedict College came through 44-3 to 
and got Edward Waters University out of there. It was a really uh, and it was it was a good game at first. I, I'll give it. It was actually a pretty good game at first, just off you know the strength of the fact that you know Edward Waters was trying to go. He, they were trying to get a touchdown. They were trying to sort of get the offense going. But after the interception that Benedict got from them, the game was over. And yeah, it, and it allowed me to it allowed me to go watch the 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 game I wanted to see because it's like uh why they do this you know doing like NFL kickoff like why I want to see Buccaneers Cowboys and I can't really can't pay attention to two things but hey the game was over like by the first quarter so I mean but God bless them <laughs> yeah when you texted me yesterday night I was like ah right, let me go watch this game you know so I so I at least can be a little and you was like alright it's like four to four to three I said huh I said what is going on like the blo- we. I didn't want to blow out. Like you said, I want a good game, like how the Buccaneers and Cowboys gave me. But what were you seeing yesterday night during the game that allowed them to be blown out by Benedict College? Benedict is just a more advanced team. And they just have, you know, better recruits, better players. And they have a great coach that used to coach at Southern. Like they have an amazing head coach. So Benedict is winning the games that they're supposed to. You know, you're supposed to sort of beat Allen. And they have a 56-year winning streak against Allen when they play. You're supposed to be Allen. You're supposed to be Edward Waters. But the big test that they're going to have to go up against with Benedict is Savannah State University. Savannah State was dominating D2 when they came down from D1. They came down from the MEAC. Like, they were dominating. Like, they were beating Fort Valley and Albany. Like those are the two stalwarts of the SIAC East. They were running through everybody. I think they had a really close game against either Clark Atlanta or Morehouse in the 2019 season. Savannah State is still set to be good. I don't care about that loss to Valdosta last week. Savannah State is a force to be reckoned with, and that's going to really be a battle. But Benedict is looking good. I think that just because their opponents aren't really up to their level just yet with Allen and Edward Waters, I think they need to recruit more. I don't think that that means that, oh, Benedict just was walking through it. I saw a lot of great signs from the offense and the defense. So now I want to see what they do against some real competitors. That's Savannah State in the East. You have Fort Valley in the East. You have Albany State in the East. So we have to see if they can contend against them. And also I want to see if on their schedule, I have to look at it. Do they play some West opponents? Do they play Tuskegee fresh off the loss from Fort Valley and sort of saying, hey, we need to get it together? Do they play Miles College? You know, like, do they play some 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 Western opponents that can really get them together? That's what I really want, want to see for for Benedict. But they were supposed to win this game. No, I can I can see that, and you know, of course, the score does not lie. They definitely won that game, and hopefully, if they keep this up and they do what they need to do, if, they might see more games like this. But like you said, we gotta look at the schedule, see what they're getting into, and see if that's going to be the end result in their next couple games. With the Buccaneers versus the Cowboys. So the quarterback battle was crazy. So Tom Brady was being Tom Brady. He was playing like he really, you know, they say he's the GOAT. He saw he looked sort of in a way showed it on yesterday because he shows that he still has it. He has some very impressive throws. But Dak Prescott, he returned. He came with it. He completed uh, 42 of his 58 pass attempts, 403 yards he threw for. He had two he had two touchdowns he threw for, and one he actually ran in for himself. He played really well. So I want to ask you, so what do you think about Dak Prescott's performance? I'm, I'm going to have to kind of go back and correct you a little bit. I don't think Tom Brady kind of showed that he was the GOAT. He did show that he was the GOAT yesterday in those five, that final minute and 20, 24 seconds that he decided to run it down the field, run down the clock, and have that game-winning field goal. Was it a great victory? No. But not every quarterback can say they can do that. So he did show his greatness yesterday. But having Dak Prescott back was one of the things that, of course, I was looking forward to. And also the um, injuries that they showed in the beginning of the game with his shoulder, that extensive injury in his shoulder and then going to his ankle. I didn't think he was going to be able to throw down the field like that, how he was throwing to CeeDee Lamb and to Gallup. That was actually very impressive. And for him to keep coming back, and going back and forth with Tom Brady, score for score in some kind of way, despite their kicker. We'll get into that a little bit later. Um, his performance was exceptional to me. I will give him an A. I have to give him an A because nobody expected him to come back and play the game that he was playing that night. And I, I have to give him the A too because I wasn't expecting it. And I got nervous. I texted you about this during the game. He was running and he was scrambling. I'm like, that, like, it was one run. The first time I saw him sort of just take the ball and run to try to get a first down, 
I'm like, you're on the same side of the field that you got injured on a year ago. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do that? Are you sure you're ready for that? You didn't play in the preseason. You have the shoulder situation. Are you sure? But I guess everything is healed up because he was not going ginger on that leg. He was running. He was scrambling. So I really like seeing Dak Prescott back to the form. He's back like he never left. And a lot of folks were saying that on social media. He's back like he never left. And I, like I said, I don't have the vitriol for Tom Brady or the Cowboys like that because I'm not that huge of a football fanatic. I'm just starting to really get into it. So I like Dak Prescott. Now, I'm not going to comment on some of the things he said off the field. That's a totally different conversation because I'm like, huh? Um, but on the field, I think, you know, he is a great quarterback. And I believe that they're going to show improve. They're making the playoffs for sure. I got to bring this up. When we talk about success, all right, about the success of the season, I have to call out the field goal kicker for the Dallas, the Dallas Cowboys, Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline missed two field goals and an extra point, and they lost by a margin of like two points. They lost by a margin of two points now. Now, Zerline, he came with it at the end. He was able to kick that field goal and had him up twenty, had him up 29 to 28, and all the defense had to do was stop Tom Brady. That did not happen. It was a questionable call or no, actually non-call where it, was, it should have been the offensive pass interference, which I personally believe it was. We'll get your take on it when we talk about defense. But he needs to get right because the Cowboys could have really stolen this game and really started the season off hot. But what do you think about the Cowboys' overall performance? Like, are there any improvements that are needed if they want to contend in NFC East? No, overall, offensively, you can't have those type of drops that C.D. Lamb was making yesterday. Now, we we did see, we saw some nice toe touches by C.D. Lamb and Gallup, too. Gallup having won the end zone game, both of those feet down at the end of the first quarter. And then C.D. Lamb going all the way down the field to set up for that touchdown. That was impressive. So they've definitely been working on their handles and their footwork. But you can't have those drop passes, especially against Tom Brady, because he's going to use that against you and score and win the game like he did yesterday night. So, of course, you want to practice making, being able to make those catches. And I don't know if it was necessarily that they were as shocked as the rest of us watching that Dak is making these throws, that he feels comfortable to run, that he feels comfortable being sacked and being hit 22 times yesterday night, which everybody was capitalizing on today. So you have that. And then just defensively, I mean, they played to what they needed to play to for Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. Of course, they have more They have more to get to. They got to be careful about these penalties. Got to be careful about the holding. There was a lot of penalties call yesterday night. Of course, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, have more flags thrown and have more penalties against them. But at the same time, you know, it's the thing. It's the thing of. Over time, things with Dan Quinn, learning how that defense works, learning what they're good at and what they're not good at. But I feel them being successful. I feel them going into their next games being better than what they were last year because last year they were terrible. And yesterday night, you can see they're willing to fight for what they want, willing to fight for those wins. And that's basically what we didn't have last season and something that we should be looking into now. I think that that's a great point. And it really leads me into Todd Bowles. So one thing that everyone was talking about after the Super Bowl, even more than Tom Brady's performance, was how Todd Bowles contained Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. Todd Bowles, you know, you already know I'm rocking with the, the black coaches in the building. Got it, them black coaches. I noticed that that offensive coordinator and Todd Bowles, defense coordinator, both black men, we love to see black men prospering out here in the world. So Todd Bowles' defense, he's a defensive mastermind. So how do you think that Todd Bowles' defense did against Dak Prescott? Like, do you think that the Cowboys were really protecting Dak Prescott and they were able to avoid, you know, Todd Bowles and that defensive mastermind scheme? Or do you think that Tampa Bay's defense actually did do pretty well against Dak? No, Tampa Bay's defense did actually very well. And that um, that was something that I had to ask myself, not to take away from Dax Prescott's performance, but I believe the only reason why he was able to perform that way is because you don't want to injure your quarterback again. But that defense was getting to him. They were rushing the passers. They were hitting the blitz really hard. You know, they touched him 22 times that night. So the Buccaneers defense did what they had to do. They came in and they conquered, of course, they held them to that last play when they had that forced fumble in the end zone. That was one of the most amazing, most 
great plays that we got to saw before Tampa Bay brought it back. But seeing him and coach that defense, that's when you're going to get more of that. And we have to remember, he didn't start everybody that night either. He didn't start everybody yesterday. He started a few, but that whole 22-man team is gone. So if I didn't start all my players, but you did that to the Buccaneers, imagine if I put everybody on that line and did it next week. They're going to be unstoppable, and he did a great job that night against Dak Prescott. So let me ask you this one last thing before we switch to the defense. So because of COVID, because we have to remember that we're living in a pandemic still, it's not changed at all. As a matter of fact, it's gotten worse. So you have Zach Martin that got COVID and he was out for the game. You had Jerry Jones that called in the first take and said that if Zach Martin tested negative uh, before the game, he would play. Do you think that Zach Martin's absence because of COVID, do you think that that affected the Cowboys in any way? It affected them to get more yards and move a little bit quicker, maybe down the field. But I still believe that the Cowboys would have lost that night, even if he was on there. I mean, Zeke did a great job. Ezekiel Elliott did a great job kind of taking his place in a way. You didn't see him run as much yesterday, but you see him blocking for that Prescott and creating that opening play on that first drive when they were trying to get down the field. He did a great job taking in that position. But if he was there, Zeke would have had more yards. He would have had more runs. He would have been able to get the running game up, which probably would have got them some more points and maybe some easier field goals for the kicker. Now, I can't really necessarily say that because he was just missing easy. That 31, that extra point, that was kind of bad. But if Zach Martin was there that night, I feel like it probably would have been a closer game than it was. Not potentially Cowboys winning it, but it would have been better than what was expected. So I want you to circle back to the whole entire thing with Dan Quinn, because you said that Dan Quinn performed well. So I want you to tell me about how you're feeling about the Cowboys defense and how they held Tom Brady. Did they do well against Tom Brady? Did they not do well? Did he really show up as the goal? Cause we know that, you know, Tom Brady sort of came through in the clutch to get that field goal at the end. He put, you know, his field goal kicker in good position, but how do you think Dan Quinn and the defense did against the Buccaneers? I mean, circling back, first we just have to go back to the Cowboys were terrible last season. They were dropping passes, couldn't get any turnovers, and that was they had turnovers on their side, which was one of their problems. Couldn't turn over the defense, but turned over a lot on the offense. And so I see it as you saw yesterday that forced fumble when they punched it out. They were talking about it on first take how during camp they're pack they're practicing punch fumbles with Dan Quinn actually having boxing gloves, you know, getting it in there. So he's teaching them discipline. He's teaching them how to be aggressive. And you can see a lot of that on yesterday night still. And so they held their own. They didn't sack Tom Brady. Of course, who's really gonna sack the goal on this team? I couldn't really see it. They got a couple touches on him and they kind of held them to a couple third downs too, not being able to make make it into field goal of yardage in that field goal area going into that third and fourth quarter until the end of that game. I think he, I think he did pretty well, kind of showing some similarities to the growth that Atlanta had in that 2017-2018 season. And if he can – Dan Quinn, if you guys don't know, is that two-year man. He did two years of appearing Seattle Seahawks, and he did two years in Atlanta Falcons. And I believe in the next two years he's going to do the same with the Cowboys. I love it. I love it. So – what so you saw improvement? So you and clearly with the Twitter beef, the Twitter back and forth, there, there was some improvements. You said they were the worst. They had a bad defense on last year. So what structured improvements do you see, and how do you think it's going to affect the way they play the Chargers on next week? Because they do play the Chargers on next week, the Los Angeles Chargers. So what do you think Dan Quinn is going to do in improving the defense from this loss? I think the defense is going to improve when it comes to coverage and also blitzing the quarterback. They had a hard time trying to rush plays and also covering their man. You didn't see an open man for the most part during yesterday's night's game. They were good at holding that together and having to force Tom Brady to use his running game, having to force him to run out the pocket. You don't see that much with the Cowboys, so they definitely improved on that. Definitely going to improve in turnovers, forcing a couple turnovers from the Cowboys from the Buccaneers yesterday night. Now all the turnovers, Brady's fault. But for him to make throws and plays that he wouldn't usually make because we all know Tom Brady is an accurate quarterback. So I can see Dan Quinn improving that from the Cowboys. Hopefully he works in their favors against the Chargers next week. But like I said again, the Cowboys are not playing in that real aggressive conference that they have. It's not You're not playing against teams that are like, they're like Tom Brady 
and the Buccaneers, or they're like the Saints and Jameis Winston, or they're like the Baltimore Ravens. You don't see them playing those really tough teams. So they kind of have an easy schedule. So it's going to be easy for Dan Quinn to build on them in these games, but we just have to wait to see if they go into anybody that's tougher than who they usually play, tougher than yesterday night, to see if they really take those things that they learned from Dan Quinn and improve on them. So let's move into Tom Brady and just what he did on last night. So the Buccaneers had four scoring drives, and it led to a lot of penalties, and I want to lead to the penalty in the fourth quarter that should have been called a penalty, but it wasn't called a penalty, and we all know what that play was. So I want you to walk us through there, Ariane. Do you think that that should have been offensive pass interference? Looking at it, yes. It definitely should have been called. That one, that not being called is – you could say – that actually cost the Cowboys the game. That would have been called. It definitely would have been coming back. The clock would have ran out. And Cowboys, maybe, I just feel like it was like a 5% chance that they would have won that game. I don't know. Tom Brady pulls anything out of his pocket and he makes it happen. But that call not being shown or not being challenged by the Cowboys coach and not coming back is what cost him the game. But, Randall, what do you – because you was, you was going in on my phone talking about that. So what do you think about that play? Yeah, so I want to go back and I want to tell the story of what was going on just to paint the picture for the podcast audience. So it was a second and 10 on the Cowboys 42-yard line, 24 seconds left, almost like a basketball game. If, if, if you think I'm talking about Kobe, I'm not talking about Kobe. 24 seconds left, he dribbles the ball. We're not talking about it, we're talking about football. All right, so 24 seconds left, Cowboys 42-yard line, Tom Brady drops back to pass. His offensive line is blocking everybody. Tom Brady is back there. Tom Brady literally could could, could have made lunch, could have made dinner for his kids. That's how long he was standing back there. So he finds Chris Chris Godwin. He was being covered by Jordan Lewis, and they were sort of hand fighting. They were wrestling a bit. And then you saw Godwin sort of shove, you know, Jordan Lewis a bit. And it wasn't like like a decisive shove where you could have said that's clearly a pass interference. But you could tell that God that, that Godwin did shove Lewis and Lewis was thrown off. So they did not call a pass interference. And if they did call that, it, like you said, it, it would have brought them back and it would have made it. It was maybe like what a, a, a first, a, a second and 15 or something along those lines. It would have, it would have went to third. Down. Second and long, regardless. Se- yeah. Second and long. So like, that's something that w- is, is a play that very, I'm not going to count out Tom Brady because Tom Brady could have, Throwing a pass and got him in field goal range again because he was throwing him. He was he was getting to it. And the offense and the offensive line was really protecting him. And that defense for the Cowboys, like they did, they did pretty well with Dan Quinn in that defense, but they could not touch Tom Brady because of that offensive line. And we'll talk more about my theories on Tom Brady and the offensive line later on. But that was clearly an off- offensive pass interference. I talked to my dad about it. My dad is scarred by the Atlanta yeah. Falcons losing to the Patriots. In 2017, he is scarred by that. He just thinks everything is rigged. Everything with the NFL is rigged. He's one of them. And I'm like, I don't think that. I just think that referees miss calls in all of sports. We all have our love-hate relationship with the referees and what they don't call or what they should call. But that was clearly an offensive pass interference that would have shifted the game. But I don't think it's rigged. I think that, that the referees swallowed their whistle because they were in Tampa Bay. And they didn't want to go against, you know, the home crowd. And they didn't want to basically decide the game. They didn't want to do that this time. Because we, we all were up in arms. Patriots versus the Steelers. Was that really a touchdown? Was it not a touchdown? They had, they had possession of the football. We were talking about that back in 2017. I feel as if in any sport, the referees do not want to be what determines the game. So if they can be as hands-off as possible and let the players on the field or on the court play, they will do that. But that was clearly an offensive pass interference. And just because it was subtle doesn't mean it wasn't. I mean, while we're talking about plays and what they could have called and what they didn't call, they did do a good job yesterday night distributing flags against both teams. Of course, the Buccaneers getting 11 flags incomplete, going more penalties in that whole game especially with Andrew Adams, who comes in, number 26 for the team, who was bad and was good for the Buccaneers. Having some good plays, having some bad plays against holding, kind of coming back, kind of ruining it for the Buccaneers. But I would like to know, if the Buccaneers didn't have that many penalties, could you have seen them winning more? Because this wasn't the Buccaneers team that we kind of seen in the past, well, a year after Tom Brady came. They were looking pretty good, but those penalties kind of held them to that 31-29 and 29 win. If they didn't do that as much, do you believe that they would have won by more? I think so. I don't know if they would have won by more. I think that 
maybe they get an extra touchdown and separated a bit more where it wasn't as close at the end and it, it wouldn't have gone down to a field goal. But the defense did pretty well against Tom Brady in the first part of the game. He got like he he threw like what two interceptions. So like he had a couple inter- interceptions. They were not able to sack him, but they were defending the people who was trying to throw to, and they were, it were getting them off. So I think that it would not have been like a blowout. Like oh, they would have gotten like forty points, or like I don't think that it would have been that decisive of a win if not for the penalties. But also I think that you know I'm not going to say oh they're rusting the Cowboys. Why we've been saying with the college teams because you know. A lot of the Buccaneers have played. They played during preseason. They've been rigorously practicing. They had training camps. But I think that those were just first game penalties and the Buccaneers are going to tighten up. But I think that the Cowboys, nevertheless, without the penalties and without the mistakes that the Buccaneers made, I still believe that the Cowboys would have contended because it was a couple of catches that his players weren't making, that Tom Brady was throwing them, you threw them well, and they just weren't catching them. You know, so yeah, he had Godwin for a drop, and you also had him for a fuck when he was going to that last play when he was running again, those extra yards, going there for the touchdown, forced fumble, Cowboys got it back. If that would have never happened, they also would have had another touchdown on their hands. That's true. That's true. So I wanna ask you this. So we watch sports media, as you know, and you had Mari Quirm, and one of the first take topics was is it hard for the Bucks to get a repeat? You know, do you think that the Buccaneers, after seeing this performance, because everyone is saying that this might be an NFC East, NFC Championship showdown at the end of the year. So do you see the Buccaneers getting back to the Super Bowl with this performance? I definitely see them going back. There's no reason in my mind, there's no reason that I could come up with why they wouldn't go back just because they have that number one player who does it every time, who gets better within age. It's Tom Brady. And I was telling you yesterday when I was looking up, this is this is normal stats for Tom Brady in his first game. He's usually throwing one or two interceptions, maybe a forced fumble, but even when in his first or losing his first game, he has always been a playoff since he started for the Patriots in 2002 and still has entered the championships, having six, six rings, now seven, six with the Patriots, one with the Buccaneers. Regardless of how he performed, there's always going to be a chance just because he's Tom Brady that they're going to go back to the Super Bowl. So I can see the Bucks repeating it, and they brought back that 22-man team that won the Super Bowl last year. Nobody has not played and nobody has retired. Nobody was traded. They're going back again. I think bar an injury. I think bar an injury is possible. I want to see what um, the Packers do. I definitely want to see what, what the Packers do. Aaron Rodgers is doing an interview on Sunday that's going to be on Fox. And I saw the preview for it and the preview that they showed on first things first, which is the show that I normally watch when I wake up. Um, that's yeah. in regards to sports. He's talking spicy and those media moments can cause dissension in the locker room. And also that could offset the chemistry. That's already a work in progress. So I really want to see what happens with the Packers. Cause is this really that last, that last dance season or is it there? Hey, you're going to be watching the dance from your couch season. <laughs> like you know, because I want to see what's gonna happen. I want to see what what was going on. Um, but I could possibly see the Cowboys and uh the Buccaneers running it back in the in, in NFC Championship because I think that this can be the year that the Cowboys prove all the Cowboys fans right. Because Dak Prescott, if he plays even better than he did yesterday as he gets back into his flow, because I think his his ceiling isn't he hasn't reached the ceiling yet. I think he can go even further in his play. If he can do that and he gets more comfortable running and also trying to create, like convert for first down and create plays and, you know, pick up the plays that get lost, I think that the Cowboys can go really far. So what do you think? Do you think that the Cowboys can be the, you said that you think the Buccaneers can go back to the Super Bowl. Do you think that the Cowboys, that they're going to be their dance partner? Do you think it's the Packers? Do you think maybe the Falcons pull it out? Like, what do you think? I think it would be poetic justice. If they do play again, if it's another Bucks and a Cowboys rematch, I, I would love to see that after what I saw yesterday night. However, with Dak just now coming back, and not to discredit his his performance and not to discredit how the Cowboys looked yesterday night, I just feel like personally they are going to have a good season, but I don't think they're going to be good enough just trying them out this year to go back and do it again. I see another contender for the Buccaneers 
in that championship game and in that Super Bowl game. But you know what? That's that's all in time. It's something to see. There's still many more contenders to go on to go against them. You know, Tom, and we all know like Tom Brady is going to be Tom Brady, but he's not going to be playing for long. And so I was asking you this yesterday. If Tom Brady was to ever retire, if he decided to, after he gets tired of winning and, you know, tired of doing what he does best, who do you see as his next successor? So I believe that the next successor is already deemed by the media and it's Patrick Mahomes because Patrick Mahomes has the talent. He has way more likability than Tom Brady. He's way cooler. He has that swagger. Uh, But I believe that it's going to be held against him that he lost twice to Tom Brady. But we have to remember that the GOAT discussion is a media creation. And it's a media creation because that's how they continue the conversation and get folks to watch their show. I have heard the GOAT debate in basketball ever since LeBron went to the Heat. Cause that's I mean, when, you heard it this morning. If you listen to the Undisputed, they talked about it this morning, too, well, about the GOAT. Well, I, I didn't watch Undisputed yet. However, I know for sure that they talked about it because I just know how Skip Bettles and Shannon Sharp are, and I know how they produce that show. And I think it's such a dead discussion, and it's so lazy because I believe that we can have substantive discussion about what's going on in the NBA, in the NFL, without saying, oh, are they to go? Because – like Patrick Mahomes has more career left at this point. Tom Brady has more career left <laughs> at this point. And I think too, I think that if the offensive line for any team that Tom Brady plays for is great and they protect him, he's going to play till he's 50 because he didn't get touched yesterday. He did not run. He did not scramble. He stood back there and I almost counted. He stood back there sometimes for like five, six seconds, just waiting, just looking, and he'll find somebody and then throw it. And the Cowboys didn't even get close to touching him because that Buccaneer front seven was amazing. So I believe that Tom Brady will probably play till he's 50. Now, I don't know the championship situation. I think maybe he goes to maybe one or two more Super Bowls. I don't know if he wins them. And I think Patrick Mahomes, especially if they go against Patrick Mahomes and do a Cavaliers-Warriors situation in the NFL, I believe the Chiefs like sort of have something to prove. But I believe that we just run the GOAT conversation into the ground. Let's just talk about what they're doing right now. Then when Tom Brady retires, is he the GOAT? When Patrick Mahomes gets to a certain point, maybe he's 35, 36, he's 20 years in, is he the GOAT? But why right now? Let's have this conversation in 2038, okay? Let's have the conversation <laughs> then. All right, because what if what if Lamar Jackson just decides, you know what, I'm going to get fired with throwing. I'm going I'm to just throw as good as Patrick Mahomes and I'm going to run. Like, is he the GOAT? You know, because like, do we factor in? And I, I know that, I'm I am not the football guy. I'm getting a bit better. But does does Lamar Jackson have a better skill set than Patrick Mahomes because he can run and throw? Do we are we talking about that or are we just giving it to Patrick Mahomes? Now, I'm I'm not a hater of Patrick Mahomes. I like Patrick Mahomes, but I favor running quarterbacks more because I was such a big fan of Michael Vick. So I favor running quarterbacks like Cam Newton, like Lamar Jackson. And I favor black quarterbacks, and Patrick Mahomes is black, but you know, that's how it goes. But like with Lamar Jackson, I do like the Ravens because of Lamar Jackson. And is his skill set GOAT worthy? Because I think it is. So I think that it is a media construct of the GOAT. But to answer the question, it's going to be for sure Patrick Mahomes. But I think it's too early to call. Now, going back, like, of course, like how you said, he has been beaten twice by Tom Brady. But would you think if Tom Brady's 44 now, and we're saying he's going to play to possibly till he's 50. We don't know. Like they say, he's getting better with time. And within that time, Patrick Mahomes comes back and runs it back and beats Brady maybe once or twice. Do you think the conversation changes then? I don't think it does because people are going to once again go to the ring, go to the ring argument unless Patrick Mahomes wins the same amount of rings or more than Tom Brady. Um, because they're, like, they're going to deem Tom Brady the winner no matter what because it's more so a generational thing. And that's one thing that I realized even as we look at the NBA with LeBron James. Like Our generation is going to probably feel LeBron James is the goal. What if Luka has a case for it? What if Zion has a case for it? What if someone else that's coming up has a case for it? And we're going to be like, no, Zion isn't this. Luka isn't that. He's nowhere near LeBron because we're going to protect our guy that we saw. So the GOAT discussion as well is very much so a generational discussion. So no matter what Patrick Mahomes does, if he wins 15 Super Bowls, they're still going to say, well, 
Patrick Mahomes wasn't as clutch as Tom Brady because what Tom Brady did in those Super Bowls and how he came back against the Falcons, how he did all these different things, that makes him the GOAT. So it's going to be a never-ending discussion that plays right into the hands of the folks in our industry because it gives us something to talk about. But I just believe that it's lazy. Let's talk about what we see on the field. Let's debate what we see on the field. Let's debate what's in front of us. And then, okay, I get it in the offseason. Let's do hypotheticals. Oh, is he to go? Oh, is he better than Peyton Manning? Oh, is he better than, than, than John Elway? Is he better than Terry Bradshaw? Like, we can have those discussions in the offseason, but I just feel as if let's stick to what's on the field. No, I definitely agree. And then, like how we were talking about yesterday, we got to think of this draft class that just came out. These amazing quarterbacks like Trevor Lawrence, like Zach Wilson, like Justin Fields, like Trey Lance. You have all these upcoming great and young, talented quarterbacks that have three three out of the six that we just talked about are starting this season. You got Mac Jones starting, you got Zach Wilson starting, and you got Trevor Lance, Trevor Lawrence starting. So you have to see what they do as well. So I agree with you. You can't – the goal is media-created. And we just can't say that without putting those other quarterbacks into contention. I want to shift into college, which is HBCUs. They didn't go to HBCUs, but, you know, God bless them. Um, But, (laughs) you know, I want to switch into what we're going to be seeing these next couple of days. Because, like I said, we are recording this on Friday. I am removing the curtain from the show. We're doing a pre-show for the the, the games on the weekend and a post-show for the Cowboys and the Buccaneers. So I want to run through the games going on um, on this weekend for the NFL, all right? So this, so that's the first thing I want to talk about. So, of course, we know the Buccaneers beat the Cowboys 31-29. So let's run through the games that's going to be happening on Sunday on September the 12th. So the Texans versus the Jaguars, all right, who you got? I'm going to give it to the Jaguars. I think Trevor Lawrence is, he, you know, he got his little jitters out. He got his struggles out during preseason. I think he's well enough now to try the Texans defense and see what he can pull off. And, you know, he he's looking pretty good. I trust his arm. That's what he's known for. So I believe Trevor Lawrence is going to have a good game this Sunday. So Trevor Lawrence, this is his first game. I believe he will. Urban Meyer has something to prove. Urban, yeah, he does. Because they've been calling it. Like, it's crazy that how sports fans are. They're like, oh, he didn't do well this preseason game? Throw him out. Send him back to college. Like, it's preseason, dude. Like, let him get let him get together. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a great quarterback. So, and then also he got rid of some of his players, too, just because of COVID vaccination. So you're losing players off of your judgment as well. So Urban Myers does have something to say and something to prove in this upcoming Sunday's game. So Chargers versus Washington, the Washington football team, and I guess they've not come up with a good name, so I guess it'll be the football team. So the football <laughs> team versus the football team. Who do you think is going to win? Which football team is going to win? I'm going to have to go with the Chargers on this one. I have a little bit more faith in them from what I've seen than the Washington football team. I'm going to need them to come up with a better name, though, in the next couple of years because I, I can't keep doing it, man. It's confusing. All right, so let's do a lightning round. So Seahawks versus the Colts, who you got? Colts. Jets versus Panthers. Who you got with this one? I think you'll say the Jets, though. I'm definitely going to say Jets, you guys. I became a Zach Wilson fan. I believe in him. He's he's probably been one of the best quarterbacks that they had since. So I'm going to have to go with the Jets. So Vikings versus Bengals. Who do you think got that one? We'll have to go with the Vikings. The Vikings are going to win that one. Cardinals versus the Titans. Cardinals versus the Titans. Is Julio Jones on the Titans now? Yep, uh, you don't have to, you know, it's been a lot, like, uh, I've been downing my team since we started this podcast, but yes, I must still have to go with the Titans, though, man. Yeah, I think that the Titans are going to get that one. I'm excited to see Julio Jones and how he performs. I don't think they should have traded him, but that's a whole other conversation for another day. I mean, Julio Jones did too, so, but like we said, that's a, that's another conversation for that, too. Yeah, and we're going to see how, how the Titans do, because now they have what I believe is a Hall of Fame-worthy you know, wide receiver, like like Julio Jones is great, so I would love to see what he does. I think there's going to be a sneaky good game, 1 p.m. on CBS, Cardinals versus the Titans. You got Kyler Murray over there with the Cardinals, so I'm definitely excited to see how that one goes. So 49ers versus the Lions, who you got? 49ers. Steelers and the Bills. This is another sneaky good game. Josh Allen and Ben Roethlisberger, who you got? I'm going to have to go with the Steelers on this one. All right, so I'm, I'm going to give you a minute just to breathe, all right? <laughs> So you got Jalen Hurts and the Eagles coming in to play Matt Ryan and the Falcons. And it's going to be on Fox and it's going to be in here in Georgia. So that's the game that we're all going to be watching. So what do you think about that one? Uh, you know, you know, the fan in me 
is going for the Falcons, but also the logic in me is also going for the Falcons as well. Jalen Hurts, to me, the only good thing I can say is that he doesn't have the years, so it's, I'm going to have to give it to the Atlanta Falcons. So possibly the game of the weekend, I believe, is going to be the Chiefs and the Browns, and I think the Chiefs and the Browns is going to be a better battle than the Cowboys and uh, the Buccaneers were. So who do you think has this? I'm going to pick two of this one. Who do you think has this game? I mean, that's tough. That's really tough because now you think of the Browns, and you think, oh, we kind of got our offensive line back, and we kind of got it working in the preseason. They were looking really, really good. But then you got to think of the former Super Bowl champs about two years ago. You got to think of the Chiefs, and they're not letting anything past them. So when you think about that, you think about those two teams, necessarily you want to give it to the Chiefs. You know the Chiefs are going to outperform the Browns, and that's what they always done. So I'm going to say Patrick Mahomes and his team are going to, they're not going to run over the Browns, but they're definitely going to win that game. I'm not going to count out the Browns. I am saying the Chiefs are going to win, but if Odell Buckle Jr. plays, I think he's going to be playing. That could be an X factor. So I'm definitely with you for the Chiefs, but if the Browns win, I won't be too surprised. So Packers and the Saints, who you think? Come on. It's the Saints. Oh, really? You think so? Yeah. You think so? so. You don't don't think the Packers are going to win? Drew Reese is retired. You don't think the Packers are gonna win? I I can't I can't see it mostly. I mean it might be close. We might have another like repeat of what we saw yesterday it might be a close game, but I, I kinda see I kinda wanna see what the Saints do, and I think the Saints might pull it off. I'm very selective with my picks. So I'm gonna do the Packers. I, I don't think the Saints, like we're gonna see, you know, the quarterback play. Is Taysom Hill gonna start? Like Jameis Winston. I wonder how it's gonna be, but I think that Aaron Rodgers, if he wants to do this last dance season, I don't know what that interview's going to do, but hopefully his team doesn't see the interview before the game because it's going to be at 425 p.m. So the, the pregame show is going to start in the afternoon, so hopefully they yeah. don't watch it. <laughs> but if they don't watch it, they're going to start their last dance season 1-0. I think they beat the Saints. So Broncos versus the Giants, who you got? Broncos. Dolphins and Patriots, another sneaky good game. Who you got? Oh, man, yeah, that is because uh start of Mac Jones season. Ah, um, I might, I might have, to, oh, man, that's hard. I want to, I want to say the Patriots so bad, but I can't see it. So I might have to, I might have to go with the Dolphins. I would say the Patriots just because, just, just to split it. I, I don't, I don't have a dog in that just fight. Split it, just to be, con- just to be confrontational. <laughs> right. So America, like, like, so America's game of the week on NBC, 820 PM, and it's going to be in primetime, the Bears versus the Rams. Who you got? Bears. I feel you. I think I think the Rams will have that one. I, I like Aaron Donald. So let's get to Monday. My boy, Lamar Jackson and the Ravens are going up against the Raiders. What you got? Gotta go with Lamar Jackson, man. I gotta go with him. You, you, you gotta go with him. Now, granted, it's a lot of injuries going on, and yeah. I think that Lamar Jackson is gonna have to make plays, but I think Lamar Jackson wins, and I hope he does not get injured or expend himself too much. But before we go, we have to talk about the HBCU football season. And I want to toss it to you just to see if you want to get picks. But I'm more comfortable in HBCU, so I got to give my picks for HBCU football. So, of course, you know, Edward Waters lost to Benedict 44-3. to So, we have my alma mater, Fort Valley State University versus FAMU. I'm going to be super objective here. Super <laughs> objective. FAMU is going to win. FAMU is going to win. However, I believe Fort Valley has a chance with what I saw against Tuskegee especially like the our new player we have Shamar I think that he's going to be great. Um, I want to see if FAMU's defense is going to be able to stop the Wildcat offense that has notoriously been pretty good over the years, but I want to see what our defense does, but it's a difference between D one and D two. We beat a D two opponent, a D one opponent. They lost seven to six to Jackson state, but those are D one boys. It's sort of like a, like a jump when you, when D when D two and D two team plays a D one team. And you saw that with miles against Alabama state, although that game was close. And you'll see it against Southern because I'm going to talk about that in a second, but Miles plays Southern. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I'm definitely going to have to be objective with you. And I see family definitely winning that game. I don't see, but you know, the way that Fort Valley State play your alma mater, the way that they play and the toughness that they have, and plus that key player, I see them being actual contenders in this game against family. So in 2011, uh, Fort Valley played FAMU and it actually was a pretty close game. So, like, I, I, I'm just saying, like, you, you, ne- you never know. It was, it was a pretty close game. It was 22 to 28 
in 2011. Like, like September the 3rd, 2011, that was a pretty good team back in the day because Dallas has had some great teams. So that's a pretty narrow game against a D1 opponent and a traditionally great FAMU team. Now, these past couple years, 2018, lost 7-41, to 2019, 57-20, but Coach Porter is gone. Different team. You know, you have your, yeah, your underclassmen that are now upperclassmen, and then we're riding off a high beat in Tuskegee for the first time in 10 years and sort of getting revenge on them, getting the side championship from us. But I, I just want to be honest, man. I think that FAMU has that one, and they get back on track as they head to other games in the swag. So Jackson State University versus Tennessee State University, the Southern Heritage Classic. Drake has rapped about it, but guess what? It's going to be ESPN3, so hope y'all catch it. All right, so what do you think about this one? Because I think that... I, I think that Jackson State wins this one, but I think that Eddie George and Tennessee State won a nacho win. So what do you think about this game? I I believe that Jackson State is going to – they have something to prove after that last game, after having that many fumbles and having that many State, especially Shador Sanders. He has to prove that he's the quarterback, that his dad and his coach, Deion Sanders, thinks he is. So with that being said, and having down his shoulders, I think Jackson State is going to show up in that game. And I think that now that they have like game like game plan in, on, in their belt, and they've seen defenses and Shador Sanders, like you said, has seen how different you know swag defenses handle them. Of course, Tennessee State is not in the swag than then the Ohio Valley Conference, the OVC. So I believe that Shador Sanders is going to perform better in this game. I think the defense is going to be the story once again because I think that Dion Coach Prime does have dogs on the defensive end. So I'm excited to see this game, but I want to see what Eddie George does, what Deion Sanders does. These are two NFL players. I just want to just put this out there. These are two NFL players that are coaching at HBCUs, and it's on ESPN3. I just want to put that out there. The Southern Heritage Classic, I want to just say again, the Southern Heritage Classic is known in pop culture. Drake rapped about it and so far gone because he was real big on the South, real big with Memphis. So it's like the Southern Heritage Classic is not getting a getting national play. I just want to put it out there. It's not, it's not no ESPN. You ain't got to pay for it. Okay, that's not my, like, well, you just going to do this because, like, well, listen, you got to pay six ninety nine for it. It's for, it's for free. <laughs> I'm like, like, how much do you want to disrespect me, ESPN? Anyway, so Miles College versus Southern. So Miles College, 2019 SIAC champions. They won in 2018 as well. They've been dominating the SIAC. And this is their second straight week against a D1 opponent. They had a pretty good matchup against Alabama State. Very well could have won. But Alabama State, not that one. But Southern has been a blue blood program in HBCU football. They have a new coach because Dawson Oldham's left and went to Norfolk. So I believe that Southern is going to win. But I believe that Miles is going to make a big statement and show that D2 teams can contend with Division One teams. I just don't think that Fort Valley is going to be the team to show and prove it. I think that Miles will. Because I think that Fort Valley needs to get some more tools. They need to get some bigger guys. Because FAMU has them boys on that offensive line and that defensive line. But I think that Miles College is going to be the team that proves we're just as good down here. What do you think? No, I, I have to agree with you. When it comes to these D2 teams, they have been showing out this year, showing what they can do against these D1 teams. But I'm going to have to give it to Southern just because you're D2 for a reason. I'm not saying that you're bad or not saying that you don't have good players, but you're going to have to prove to me that you can compete against these teams that have been doing it, that have won championships and do have great players out of recruitment. So it's going to have to be Southern for me. And I think, and I, and if it wasn't clear, I think Southern's gonna win as well. But I think that Miles is gonna get, you know, a a, a mental victory. How they're saying the Cowboys, the Cowboys won mentally. They won the battle. They, they won, won the more. war. They, they won, won the more the moral victory. victory. Like they have a moral victory. Like listen, like the Cowboys won the war, even though the Buccaneers won the battle. That's what people are saying in, in the media. It's crazy. Um, but I think I think I think that that Miles is gonna get a moral victory as they go back to the Syac, and it's gonna be really dope. So so with North Carolina and it's your alma mater. So, do you think that this is a money game? And also, do you think that A&T can win this game? And just be honest, who you think is going to win this game? Is A&T going to pull it out? Is Duke going to obliterate the Aggies? What do you think? All right, so first we're going to have to answer the most obvious question. No, I don't think the Aggies are due. I have, I'm not going to say I don't have any hope. You know, I don't have any faith. There's a difference between hope and faith. Hope is just wanting to see and believe in them because that's my team, even though I don't go there no more. Faith is actually seeing and having things that have proven to happen 
to actually have a successful outcome. So I have hope. I want to have hope that they will win. I want to have hope that they have great players. I want to have hope that they improve since the last time that we saw them. But I have no faith of them winning in Duke. I have no faith in them trying to blow them out or even come remotely close. I feel like it might be a double-digit scoring game. Um, and yes, this is a money game because as one, ABCU's lost a lot of money last year. And plus we're in a newer conference, which means when we have newer conferences and we play bigger colleges, more turnout, bigger deals, bigger players, bigger coaches, bigger money, those game tickets, they cost a little bit more. So of course it has to be a money thing for A&T. This is a big thing. And then also you're going to get that, unfortunately, HBCU hype. Oh, we're playing a good school. We're playing a PWI. We're playing a team that nobody thinks that the Aggies could win or any HBCU team could go against. And so you have those people that are like, yeah, I'm a bit on A&T. Yeah, this is great. And then you have them pouring more money because you never seen or, you know, history has proven or people be like, oh, what does the HBCU have against a PWI? They don't have the players. They don't have the recruitment. They don't have the coaches. And so even though that's not true, you feed into that narrative and you produce more money. So yes, this is a money game. No, I don't see A&T winning this game I don't even see it remotely close a double digit game but I am you know I have hope and I am proud of them and, you know I hope the best for them tonight at eight but I I can't I can't see them doing this what she said I, I never understand <laughs> uh but nevertheless so we're gonna go on and end things off on today so that is it for us so we have our our picks for HBCU football as well as the NFL Ario tell everybody where they can find you on social media Yes, you can find me on Instagram at A-R-I dot underscore E-L-E underscore. You can also find me on Anchor and Spotify at the Unaxed Team. Most definitely. And make sure to follow us on Pulse Radio 100 on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, and also the Pulse Radio YouTube page. But as always, we will see you on the other side.